98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station, Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Feraldis, Steve Zinsmeister with you for another half hour on this edition of Arizona Sports Saturday from the Auction Community Studios. And we're going back to the obvious number one story here in the Valley. In case you missed it, Kevin Durant wants to get traded. To Phoenix. And one of his top options is the Phoenix Suns, according to all reports. But he's currently not a member of the Phoenix Suns. Can we just start with this? How good does it feel? To be wanted. One of the best players in the world wants to be with the Phoenix Suns. Remember a time, remember a time, Mitch, what was it, like 10 years ago, when LaMarcus Aldridge wanted to be in Phoenix, mm-hmm. but he also kind of wanted to be in San Antonio, and they were trying to make it work and just couldn't make it work, and he ends up picking San Antonio. Remember put, that? Let me put it this way. That was LaMarcus Aldridge. We're not even talking about Kevin Durant. When you're a team and you're winning and you're in a pretty darn good location, you tend to be attractive to high-end free agents. Yeah, they were not well, a winning team back then. With High-end free agents and guys who are disgruntled enough to want out after they just started a four-year extension. Well, I think credit, too, not only to Devin Booker, who a lot of good players want to play with. I mean, we've been talking about this for the last couple months, right? That Kevin Durant compliments Devin Booker a lot on his game. Chris Paul, part of the reason he wanted to come to Phoenix was to play with Devin Booker. Another huge part of it for Paul and for uh, Durant as well is Monty Williams. The culture that James Jones has built in this organization by bringing in Monty Williams, who's a well-respected... I I don't understand how he wasn't a head coach already in the league. I know he had gotten spurts, and he had obviously played a a role in New Orleans when Chris was there. Uh, He had been up for other gigs. The Lakers supposedly wanted Monty Williams, and he picked the Suns. And they built this culture... That here we are, just two, three years removed from getting 19 wins in a season, and all of a sudden you have one of the most highly respected coaches in the league, a former player as a GM, which I think a lot of players respect, Yeah, Devin Booker, who's possibly one of the top 5 to 10 He's superstars in the league. He's a top 15 player right now. And Chris Paul, who's a first ballot Hall of Fame point guard, who is team first oriented. Mm-hmm. And now you've got possibly the best player in the league or one of the best scorers of all time who wants to play in Phoenix. Just soak that in for a second. That's remarkable. It feels good. It feels really good. Even if you don't get him, it still kind of feels good. I'd well, rather get him, though. Actually, it's going to feel a little bit different if you don't get him. But besides that point, it does feel nice right now. But the trade request came two weeks ago. So we're now two weeks past this trade request. We're right into the thick of summer league in the NBA. The draft is passed. So you're starting to think, okay, well, how much time do the Suns have left to left to materialize something? And how long are they willing to wait? We listened to a couple of cuts earlier. Replay them again here. First one, Bobby Marks, when he was asked how long this KD trade could take time-wise... He pointed out an interesting name. I'm looking back from the Carmelo Anthony situation in 2010, where that basically went started in September and ended in February. That took six months to basically to get it done, and it cost New York gutting their roster. I think that's the concern as far as gutting your roster for Kevin Durant. So it seems like either way, the unavoidable will be somebody is going to have to gut their roster to get the 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 best player in the league as it stands right now is that arguable 
Well, I think you can draw comparisons here with this in the Carmelo situation, too, where Carmelo was probably that level of player back then. And similar, too, to Durant in that they're both elite scorers in this league. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about what it takes to get him, yeah, I think I think you could certainly draw the comparisons. The, the biggest difference is obviously the contract length. They felt that they had to make a move with Carmelo Anthony based on the short term of his contract. You, you either trade him or you lose him for nothing, as opposed to Durant, who's got four years left on his deal. I mean, Gambo's been saying it all along, right? That if you've got four years to kill on the deal, they don't have to do anything. No. I and mean, there's Gambo, not a trade clause in there or anything. Gambo went as far as to say that the Nets have all the control in this situation, which I disagree with respectfully because, as we've talked about in this league, regardless of the length of the contract, superstars get moved where they want to go. Well, okay. So we had the discussion last week, right? The superstars that did get moved, the Anthony Davis trade. We talked about it last segment that we talked about this. That was the final year of that deal, correct? I believe so, yeah. The Paul George trade. That's probably the closest one that's comparable because it was just the year before that he signed the extension that he did with Oklahoma City. And then eventually he got moved to the Clippers and the Clippers sent back a bunch of stuff. That probably is the closest one only because he had just signed that extension. However, I think Oklahoma City was also very willing to move on after getting knocked out in the first round. Yeah, I it's... it's re- it's really hard to compare these situations when nobody's ever been drafted with four year or uh, traded with four years left in their contract the way that Durant is. I mean, he's got fifty three million due to him in a couple of years, and he's a thirty four year old player right this second. So there's not a lot of comps. I saw that rumor. Did you see the rumor the other day that uh, Carmelo Ant or not? Sorry, not Carmelo Anthony. Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards is what the Nets wanted, plus a bunch of draft picks. Right? Yeah, I don't think Minnesota was willing to give that up. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to do that either. The other interesting question about that is, did they want that uh, Did they want that before they traded for Gobert or after? I'm sure it would have been before the Gobert trade. Look, if you're if you're a team that's interested in Kevin Durant, your eyes are focused on Kevin Durant until you can't get Kevin Durant anymore, right? You eventually move on and get the guy that you want. We knew from reporting from several different sources that Minnesota was very much interested in getting Rudy Gobert. And we also knew that Utah was probably going to blow things up. Quinn Snyder walks out. Danny Ainge steps in. He's ready to, you know, take a axe to the wood, so to speak. He's done it before. Yeah. He did it in Boston when he had to sell off Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. And now here he is doing it again, only so far he's only sold off Rudy Gobert. A lot of assumption as to whether or not Donovan Mitchell will stay, but we don't know for sure. I don't think it gets talked about enough, too, that the Rudy Gobert deal really messed up the market. Mm -hmm. I mean, by moving, uh, what was it, essentially five first-round picks. There's four picks, it was one guy who just got drafted in the first round, and then a bunch of other dudes, right? I think a lot of people around the league are trying to make a deal for Durant, and they... They look at what Gobert got in return, and all of a sudden it's like, well, Durant's way better than Gobert. I mean, way better. Gobert might be an elite defender. He might be one of the best bigs in the league overall, but it, I mean, he doesn't really have an offensive game. Where you're talking about Kevin Durant's a top 15, maybe 10 player in the league all time by the time he's done. If, if one guy can get you five picks and a bunch of players... Durant, in I was theory, say, should get you a lot. To more. your point, it's now Gobert has set the true asking price for Durant, has he not? And it's an unfair ask. 
I think that Minnesota overpaid for Gobert, and now Brooklyn. Oh, very much. And so. now Brooklyn looks at that deal and goes, "Well, we want that plus a bunch of other stuff, plus some all stars." I mean, they want multiple all stars. Think about what I just said. The rumor was that they wanted Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. That's a budding superstar and a guy who's already an all star and, and probably one of the best scoring bigs in the league right now. They want both of them, plus a bunch of draft. Which is what makes this whole trade scenario so interesting, because we've also heard reports that the Nets are putting Devin Booker at the top of their wish list in a trade. But the whole reason Kevin Durant wants to come to Phoenix is to play with Devin Booker. Yeah, you're not moving Booker. See, that's the other thing, is the more the longer this goes on, the more I start to realize the Suns don't have the pieces to do this deal. And we knew it was going to have to take a multiple team deal all along, but think about if that's the asking price that the Nets won't move off of is Cat and Ant, then the Suns don't have those pieces. Andy Larson, who covers the Utah Jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune, he was on, and I love the irony of this situation that we're about to present, he was on the Please Don't Aggregate This podcast, <laughs> which is Jake Fisher from Pleacher Reports podcast. Irony. But Andy Larson, to his point, which we're about to do, we're about to aggregate this, in a sense, said that the Nets and Suns are kind of far apart as to what the asking price is for Kevin Durant. From my understanding, like the Kevin Durant-Phoenix conversations have also been pretty far apart in terms of Phoenix wanting to be pretty... Uh, pretty minimal about what they return back for Kevin Durant, frankly. Like, they don't want to wreck their, their their franchise's future. They don't. I don't think that they want to trade all of their picks and Mikael Bridges, for example, and DeAndre Ayton for Kevin Durant at this point. Like, or at least that's the message that I've heard that they're putting out. Interesting. But also fair to agree with. Yeah, I think so. Like, we keep going back to the central point. It's like, if you're in the Nets... You are not in any pressure to just move him away. I, With yeah. Kyrie Irving, you have a little more flexibility because it's one year. But it it's a lot of money, so it's only as much flexibility as the cap will allow. But with Kevin Durant, again, it's four years. You hear this in sports a lot, is the, we're not going to move that guy unless we're blown away with an offer. Right. You hear that from time to time, right? And All the time. You never hear that from a team with a guy who's under a one-year deal or has half a season left and is a rental in no. baseball or something. No. Like you never hear that from them like, "Ah, we'd have to be blown away." Like, no, there's there's pressure. There's there's a clock that's ticking in that situation. There's no clock here. There's no clock. They have 4 years of Kevin Durant and when they heard from him, "Hey, I want to be traded," I don't think their initial reaction was, "All right, we'll try to move you." I think their initial reaction was, "Okay, I guess we'll just see what we can get." And if we like it, great. And if we don't, sorry. You're a Brooklyn Net. You signed the dotted line same way we did. Right. I think that's probably... I think maybe we had a misper... We misperceived the net side of things right from the get-go. When Kevin Durant asked for a trade, I think we all immediately went, oh my gosh, he wants out of Brooklyn, he's going to get traded. He will get traded. Right. We assumed that because of how much power... That's how it's happened in history. Think about how much power the players have in the league now. And when truthfully speaking, what actually probably happened is the Nets looked around and went... All right, if we find a good package, then yeah, maybe we'll deal you. I don't think they've ever taken it as seriously as we have to move him. You know what's really funny, or I guess ironic in the sense? So we know we all can agree that LeBron James kind of triggered the player empowerment in the NBA. Uh, he certainly took a big step forward. He never people. did it yeah. through trades. No, always free agency. He always cleverly played his deals with the teams that he signed with. But again... Like you just said, he always did it in free agency. 
never with trades. Very rarely does a player of this caliber become available via trade. I mean, we've talked about Anthony Davis. I mean, the um, obvious comparable one happened in 1992. Chuck? When Chuck came to the Valley. And the asking, the asking price then was absurd. And the Suns basically fleeced Philly. Uh, Kareem? When he went to the Lakers, yeah. Kareem was had already won titles and, and was in the middle of his prime. So that's certainly a big one. I mean, there's there's probably plenty of old ones I'm not even thinking of. Sure. In in recent NBA history, like and like top of mind, right? And and that were under a CBA that was probably comparable, where the you know the trades and the the salaries mm-hmm. have to match and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah. Carmelo Anthony, as we as we heard earlier, is a pretty good example. Um, Paul George, I don't, I never thought Paul George was on Durant's level, no. like on super superstar level. No. Paul George has never carried a team single handedly. I I. I think that's kind of a requirement in and of itself. Coming up next, we're wrapping up Arizona Sports Saturday. We're going to wrap early because uh, we've got some Diamondbacks baseball coming up around 1230. But when we come back, a little bit more on the interesting take we heard from Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, you remember Larry Fitzgerald, right? We heard from him today, and what he said actually kind of was a head-scratcher. We'll let you hear it and decide for yourself next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Sure is. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Varelis, with you on Arizona Sports Saturday. Thanks for spending part of your afternoon with us. We are making way for the Arizona Diamondbacks broadcast at 1230 today. We're putting down the chalk, cleaning up the bases, spraying the infield, all that good stuff. You know them. my first job ever in my life was chalking softball fields. Really? Softball fields are harder to chalk than baseball fields. And I, I say this mostly because I have a friend who is in charge of the baseball fields, and okay. I had a harder job than him, and I want him to know that. <laughs> uh, because on baseball fields, you have the you have the grass, right? Mm-hmm. So really, you're just doing the batter's box, and then like a little line, and then maybe you go and do the base. And the grass the is already base. painted, yeah. Right, the grass is already painted. Softball fields? Not so much. No, you have to do the whole line from home plate all the way to the outfield. Jeez. And you have to try to make it straight. Oh, boy. So for a while, I was nailing a string into the home plate, mm-hmm. and then I would go run to the outfield and nail the string in there, and then I would try to stay on the line. But was the string straight? Yeah, the string was straight. Okay. And I would try to just paint over that, right? Or chalk over it. Yes. Eventually, I got tired of doing all that extra work and running back and forth, so I just kind of eyeballed it. <laughs> And this is probably why they paid me $5 an hour. This is probably... I'm now figuring out why they paid me I think now we also understand the little just barely fair and just barely foul calls that day at the yard, I can't tell you how many times I'd be there at night trying to lock up and the umpires would be like, that's a fair uh, foul. I'm not really sure. That might be fair. I'm I'm not sure. That line is not straight. All right. How about this for fair or foul? Are you ready? I'm ready. Football, fair or foul. Larry Fitzgerald. On NFL Network last night. There's nobody in the game that is as talented, has as a, a diverse array of, of abilities in terms of his athleticism and his ability to throw the ball, going left or right. Um, you know, he's he's immensely talented. You know, he's a guy that um, you know everybody in around around the league has to prepare differently for. And you know, you bring in Hollywood. Zach Ertz is now coming into his second year, better acclimated with the system. Um, James Conner fully healthy going back into the year. And I really like where they are uh, positioned and uh, you know. Obviously, their schedule is really tough early on in the season. They're going to be without hop, but I know I know Kyler has the ability and the fortitude to be able to lift this team up. 
Okay. Now, if you're hearing that for the first time, you don't know who he's talking about until the very end when he says, and I think Kyler. Yeah. So if you didn't know, yes, he's talking about Kyler Murray. 90% of that soundbite I don't care about. Okay. Just play that first, like, five seconds again. There's nobody in the game that is as talented as... There's nobody in the game as talented as Kyler Murray, is what he's saying. I agree with him. And I don't disagree with him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a weird way to say it. So... I think that he's right. I think that yeah. Kyler Murray is probably the most well-rounded, talented quarterback. He could do literally anything. He's got the the arm of a Patrick Mahomes. He's mm-hmm. got the legs of a Lamar Jackson. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, he has the height of a Drew Brees. But but I think that he can beat you any which way. I think he's right that he's the most talented. But here's the thing. Being the most talented doesn't always mean that you're the best. This was the philosophical that discussion that we had last time around. Is yeah. what, what in your eyes is talented well the new york yankees have the most talent in baseball they've got 60 how many times have they won the world series in the last 10 years oh nine they so they've won zero in the last decade uh the last los angeles dodgers have a 300 million dollar payroll every Uh year they have the most talent how many championships have they won 2020 one championship so you see what i'm saying the most talented team it doesn't always guarantee you it doesn't guarantee you that you're the best I think a lot of people would say that Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Kyler Murray or Tom Brady, you can make a case, or uh, Patrick Mahomes. Even Justin Herbert, you can make the case, is a better quarterback, but Mm. I don't know that that means they're more talented. I think that he's about as talented as you get as a quarterback. That doesn't mean he's without flaws. I think he's he's still kind of small for his position. I think he's uh, shorter. Uh, He may not be built in the way to sustain uh, a lot of the hits, I think that his on-field demeanor is not perfect. I think the team would like to see improvements in leadership qualities. He's not perfect, but I think he might be the most talented in the entire league. I mean, in the discussion of who's at his level, when you say most talented, how many other quarterbacks in this league can throw and run 50 yards downfield? Lamar Jackson. Okay, who else? Uh, it'd be pretty rare, but Jalen Hurts, maybe. Hey. I'm, I'm not ready to say look, he's let's, the most talented. Let's put it this way. If that's how far we have to reach after Kyler and Lamar, that might be the list. But again, we're we're just talking in that scenario about guys who are mobile. Yeah. Quarterbacks well, mobile, but mobile. he can also throw so far downfield and accurately. That's another key factor that we didn't discuss last time. He can accurately throw the ball far downfield. I think last year, I forget the exact statistics, so forgive me, but I'm just going to kind of wing this one. Okay. Kyler had the best accuracy numbers of balls thrown over 20 yards last season, I think was the statistic. It was around like the 50%-ish mark, I believe. Uh, basically, I know the, what you're talking about. Basically, the big takeaway is he's more successful on downfield throws than any other quarterback in the league. Including some of the big arm guys like Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes. He's better than those guys on, mm-hmm. on, on long distance throws. And <laughs> it makes me think of the uh, the Hale Murray. Mm-hmm. Obviously that helps. But I mean, that didn't even happen. And I mean, season, he was so. even scrambling. He was off of his back foot. He just kind of, to your point, it was a Hale Murray. He kind of just chucked, chucked it. it. Yeah, I get it. And DeAndre Hopkins had a lot to do with that. He had, that and play. DeAndre Hopkins stuck his hands up in between four defenders and was the one that came down with the ball. I just think on talent alone, Kyler Murray's probably the best athlete I've ever seen in my life. Uh, watching him in high school, which I watched almost every single game he ever had in high school, he never lost, and that's because he looked like a man amongst boys out there. Well, granted, he was shorter than most of them still, but 
I mean, no one could stop him. He goes to college. The one season he had as a starting quarterback, what did he do? He won the Heisman. Yeah. He was the best player in college football. Yep. He goes to the NFL. He gets the number one draft pick. And then he, I'm not saying he's the best quarterback over the last three years. I'm not saying that at all. But I think he might be the most talented. Do we want to expand upon most talented in any sport of the major four? Uh, you mean, is he more talented than other... Well, Shohei Otani? That's the name I was going to bring up right after it. Shohei Otani does... He can hit for power, he can hit for average, he can the equivalent pitch, of he can Shoh- throw 90-plus. Right. The equivalent of Shohei Otani is like having a football player that's the quarterback and also the defensive lineman. Like having Kyler or plus even the Aaron cornerback. Donald. Yeah. You know how it was kind of common in high school? Like, usually the quarterback was also so good that he could just play defensive back, too? Sure, yeah. There were some quarterbacks that could do that in high school. Like, in this state, even. But nobody ever does that professionally. No, no. It, that's career suicide, frankly. Some I, guys play both ways, but it's usually like receiver and corner. And some become one better than the other. But, you know, if we go as far as, like, in the four major sports, like, is Kyler Murray one, or, Kyler Murray one of the most talented athletes of the major four sports right now? Like, granted, there's a lot of things to account for. Like, as we just said with Shohei Otani, he plays two positions, and not many players do that in any sport. Not just two positions. Two sides of the ball. Right. I mean, a lot of people play two positions in baseball and football and basketball, right? But not a lot of them can play both ways. Yeah. Basketball is different because everybody has to play both ways. But, I, yeah, Kyler would be up there. I mean, if we're talking athleticism alone... Keep in mind, I've said this all along. I watched every Kyler Murray high school game. I went to many of his high school baseball games. I think he's the best high school football player I've ever seen in my life. He's better at baseball. Take that in for a second. Well, I mean, it's been a conversation like every year whenever he throws a fit. I watched him play a lot of baseball. I thought he was actually better at that, and I think he's the greatest football player I've ever seen in high school in particular. And this isn't high school anymore. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying no. that they equate to each other. This is other, the big leagues, kid. Yeah. I think he's the most. he might be the most talented player in the entire NFL. Doesn't mean he's the best. That does not mean it leads to winning either. And also, this is Larry Fitzgerald who said this. I mean... You got to take that into account. Look, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald is kind of like the preacher of Arizona sports at this point in his career. <laughs> I like we, that. We take what he says as, you know, the Bible. When Larry Fitzgerald speaks, you sit and listen. And you say amen after he's done talking. I've missed Larry. I wish he would come back and be more present. Larry, come back, please. We miss you. We've never met you before, but come back. I know him. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on the show today. For Mitch Vareldis and Trevor Henry behind the glass, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. Stay tuned. Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.